Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Hey, contractors, welcome back to Beyond the Tools. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, and today I am very excited to bring you an amazing guest with such a powerful and important message. Today, I chat with Drew Cameron, who is the founder of Flow Odyssey, the president of Energy Design Systems, LLC, and EGIA contractor, university founder, faculty, and board member. He is North America's most sought-after sales and marketing strategy and success advisor to companies in the trades, and he's a renowned author, speaker, coach, consultant, Honestly, the list goes on and on. Drew is a very well-known name in this industry. And if you're someone who is struggling in your business and you're not taking care of yourself the way that you should, you absolutely need to listen to this episode. This is the real life stuff that is so much more important than the latest marketing tactic or hiring or financials or any of those things. Drew challenges us to take a deeper look at our businesses and know that you don't have to do it all alone. You can build your business by design. You can build a business with purpose and more importantly, making sure that you don't work yourself into an early grave. I know many contractors have the fear that your work is literally going to kill you, which I know sounds dramatic, but this was almost a reality for Drew. And I think the lessons that he has to share from his story and how he helps businesses to succeed now without having these crazy effects on your health and your life is so important, so powerful, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's go and chat with Drew. I am super excited to introduce today's guest, Drew Cameron. Drew, welcome to the show. So excited to have you here. Hey, Crystal. Thanks for having me. Uh, Great to be here. Amazing. So Drew, I think you have such a powerful story. I know it's something that you've shared a lot, but I think it it really has a, a big impact on those that hear about it. So can you tell us a little bit about how your experience in the industry and your work ethic really kind of led to some scary health consequences? Yeah, I, I grew up in the industry. So I've got uh, 45 years in the game since I'm 57 years old. I started at the age of 12, coming home from swim team practice and, and working in the family business, uh, summers and weekends and Christmas breaks all the way you know through high school and, and through college. And then when I got out of the college, dove 100% full-time into the business in, in 1989 and you know, prided myself on that work ethic that you know, my father had instilled into me. I thought that was a gift. I still think it's a gift. And, um, you know, you, you worked harder than anybody else. And of course, since the, the family name was on the business, 
business, uh, John H. Cameron and Sons. You, you took pride in that, and and we had a lot of you know a lot of struggles, and we had a lot of success. But we finished with a lot of success, and we ended up selling the business. And I worked for a publicly traded company for about eighteen months, uh, jumping on planes and traveling every week. And so that that pushed my work ethic even harder because I was away. I'd leave on Monday and I'd fly home Friday night, uh, work on stuff on on the weekends, and then go back at it you know the following week. After about eighteen months of that, I jumped out on my own. And since I still had a five year five state non compete with the utility company that bought my company, my family business, I found myself continuing to be on the road. But now, not only was I on the road, you know, pretty much five days a week. I was now working nights and weekends, you know, on my clients' projects. And so I continued that grind saying no one was out going to hustle me, outwork me all the way up until just about three years ago this week, uh, when I went on vacation and you know, took a little bit of downtime with my uh, girlfriend and my son and his friend and uh, went to Myrtle Beach and had a heart, heart attack and sudden cardiac arrest and flatlined on vacation. And I had no, no idea. I, I was somewhat fit, but I wasn't healthy on the inside. I didn't know it because I hadn't stayed up with doctors and just kept traveling and working hard and just doing the grind. And that, yeah, that was a, a major wake up call because of, you know, and I'm not proud to say that. I'm not saying that's something that anybody should aspire to. Uh, but it, it told me that, you know, what's important. And number one, my health. Health is health is wealth. And, and so focusing on that and the relationships that are closest to me and, and what I put my girlfriend through who saved my life that day, um, she put my heart for, for 20 minutes until the paramedics got there. Uh, and that's when I flatlined um, you know, five different times. And they had to shock me back to, to life five different times between the hotel, the ambulance, and the emergency room. And then they went in and did some surgery and cleaned out some, some blocked arteries and a couple stints. And miraculously based on the doctors uh two days later i was on the beach and so now i put my health first i put my relationships first i i put you know i'm, I'm a little selfish because i you know we should be and so when i looked back on my life that was kind of you know i i saw how i got to that moment and it was a bunch of other little moments a bunch of lessons that i took from watching people in this industry really work the grind and and really punish themselves and and their health and their relationships and including my father. You know, he had a, his heart attack a few years a few years earlier. Um, he's still with us, but unfortunately, before my heart attack, a year before that, I lost my my older brother who was in the family business with us. Uh, I lost my younger brother 13 years before that, you know, both related to heart issues. And, and so experiencing my own situation, reflecting and projecting forward, I said, okay, you know, I, I, I don't want to do life this way. I don't want to do business this way. And I don't think the contractors should do life and business that way. So that's kind of what got me to where we are today. Yeah. So now in the work that you're doing with Flow Odyssey in particular, like are a lot of contractors coming to you for that reason? Because they do feel like their business is their life and they're starting to see the negative effects of that. I think so. You know, we changed the name to Flow Odyssey January a year ago. Uh, we rebranded from HVAC Solutions, uh, really being focused just specifically on HVAC and really being specifically focused on sales and the business. And as we change the name, when we start to tell the story, yeah, I think it is resonating more with people. You know, they're seeing that their business is struggling, but they're also seeing that their life 
and their relationship is struggling. And they're asking, at least asking those questions. I don't know if they're really coming yet, knocking on the door specifically for the personal thing, because that's that's a tough thing to admit. Yeah, that makes sense. And I do have to ask, I guess, for you, obviously, something like that is so harrowing. And also, you know, your family seeing them go through it. But for you, was it like a quick flip of a switch in terms of how you approach things? Or was it a little bit harder to you know, kind of get out of those old habits of working like crazy? Great question. I think the mindset, you know, flipped pretty quickly uh, that some changes needed to be made. Um, but like you said, breaking the habits has been a little tougher. It's, I mean, it's been three years this week. It was the 20th. Okay, so breaking the work habits and saying, you know, getting to a place where I say no. And I told myself this story that you know, this is what my clients wanted. This is what my clients need. This is what my clients expect. And the funny thing is when I actually have started to say no, and I, I tell clients what time I will work, you know, what time I'll start, what time I'll finish and what I'm doing. They're all very, very good with it. You know, they're very cool with it. And then we can, we actually start to have an open dialogue and they start to ask me questions about now my, I call it a life ethic now, you know, and a love ethic. Right. So I think I was lacking both of those because I had the work ethic in spades. And so now I don't want to call it, and I don't even want to call it balance. It's, it's harmony and integration. I make, I make it work. You know, if I'm, if I'm working hard during a day or I have to work at night on a project, sometimes I have a deadline, then I make sure to take the time the next day. And I, and I don't get caught in the story of what, you know, I, I believe, you know, what will get done, will get done when it gets done. And I'll honor my commitments and deadlines, but otherwise it's all good. Yeah. It all gets done. Makes sense. I think sometimes I can kind of, you know, personally just laugh at myself and like, why do I think I'm so important that, you know, everybody needs me right now? <laughs> yeah. But that gives us as entrepreneurs, right? That gives us a feeling of significance, of importance. And so again, we tell ourselves a story. Hence the e-myth, right? If it's going to be, it's up to me. If it's going to get done right, I'm the one who has to do it. I got to teach you. I have to be the answer person. Yeah, makes sense. So I know when you talk about businesses, you often say that they're created by default and not designed. So what do you mean by that? Well, I learned it first in, a, in our own family business when I came out of college and we went to a, a ACCA quality college back in 1990. And they started talking about, you know, some things I learned in college, which were about you know, vision, mission, purpose, core values, organizational structure, uh, operational structure, financial structure. And what I found is we didn't have any of that in our business. And we had been in business in 1990 since 1964. And we didn't have that stuff documented. I guess my father had talked about it with his team. And as I was growing up in the business, I was out in the field and in the warehouse and doing other things. So I, I certainly wasn't a party to that. And what I realized is exactly that we were in business by default, not by design. And by that, I mean, we didn't know what we were trying to accomplish. We didn't know how we were trying to accomplish it. We didn't know why we were trying to accomplish it. We had no guiding principles to say, this is how we, this is who we are and how we interact with each other, but also how we interact with the world, which would be the core values. Right. And we started to imp implement those into our business. And like, I want to say overnight, but almost overnight, we shifted from being an, an un, I want to say unprofitable because we were profitable. We were small profit and we were, but we were going to break a bankruptcy because the union was trying to organize this. And so it really strained our business. 
And when we reinvented ourselves as a service and replacement indoor air quality business, and we put all of this in place, almost overnight, we shifted the entire business and the profits you know, just took off and hockey sticked uh, to 22% to where we were able to sell the company. But the culture had gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. The attitudes of people had gotten a lot better. We'd gotten a lot more productive and a lot more focused. We knew who we, we, we were and we knew what we were trying to accomplish. And we knew how to interact with each other. We knew who to hire and not and who to get rid of, actually, as well, which was some tough decisions. And it defined everything that we did. And so going forward, when I went to work for the publicly traded company, traveling around the country, I was going into broken businesses that they had acquired and fixing them. And the way I started was putting those foundational elements in place mm-hmm. to design you know, the direction of where we were going, to design our future, mm-hmm. the vision, mission, purpose, and core values. And then, of course, all the structural business things that we that we know and we learn more in classes now and realize that instead of being a contractor who's in business, I want you to be basically in the business of contracting, right? I want you to be a business person who happens to do contracting. Right. Yeah. So I know a lot of contractors in business, like they tend to focus on the tactical stuff, right? Like the numbers, the sales, the marketing, the financials. But I know that's not where you necessarily start at Flow Odyssey or what makes the biggest impact. So when you're starting to work with a contractor, what are some of the things that you look at to make a big impact? Well, certainly all of those things, right? Uh, you know, that's what gets me into a business and having the conversation and, and uh, you know, helping them see some of the things that they're probably lacking. Uh, I visited a business just last week. And again, they did not have the vision, mission, purpose, and core values into their business. They had developed them. They had followed a book template, uh, but they weren't really into the business. They weren't activated. They weren't on every wall of the business. I mean, it should be on every wall, every office of the business, every room of the business, including the restrooms and the break room and the warehouse. They weren't on the dashboards of the truck. They weren't being discussed at company meetings. And the company was somewhat floundering with you know, the direction that it was going. But it was also due to a lack of leadership too. And so, you know, working with this company, they started looking at all these operational and financial and structural things and organizational charts as well. And that's what got the conversation rolling. But finally, I had to have the tough conversation because typically what you find is the fish stinks from the head down. And so looking at the owner, I just said, you know, what role do you think that you play have played in this? And again, I'm not looking to the fault and blame you or guilt and shame you, but let's take ownership and responsibility of, of what's been going on. What got us to here? Great. I'll applaud you. You've had some measure of success, but obviously it's also led to this place of struggle. So the skills that got you to here will not take you to the next level to where you want to go. So what role do you play in that? What have you taught or tolerated you know, from your people? Because that's what happens. We teach or tolerate things. And if you tolerate things, then you they endure, right? So bad behaviors, bad habits, bad processes, uh, bad, you know, not bad people, but people who are executing at a, at a poor level, their attitude or behaviors. And then when it endures, you actually are tacitly endorsing that behavior, those results. And, and so getting an owner and the leadership team, but usually it's at the top in small, closely held businesses, like I typically see under $10 million, it's usually the owner. And getting them to look in the mirror and 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 be, I don't want to say be critical, but just take ownership. It's all good, right? I mean, there's no right or wrong or good or bad. It's just, this is what happened. 
And you did what you did based on what you know. And when you know more, you can do more. But I'm not going to fault you for what you've done because it's based on what you know. And you can only give you, you know, me, your company, the community, uh, your people, the customers, you know, that which you know and what you're willing to execute upon. You know, and then when I start to ask them about their lives, you know, you know talk about, you know, about their lives. I get to know these people very intimately, uh, personally as well. I hear about their you know, relationship struggles with, you know, their significant other or their kids or health issues, you know, weight issues, smoking, drinking, gambling, all of that. And, and to say, well, again, do you think that's not showing up in your business anywhere else? And so when they see that and they get to realize that we are all a mirror of each other to some extent, and the results are completely a reflection of us, then they, you know, then once they, once they take ownership of that, that's where we get the biggest gains. Mm. And, and I literally will have people coming to the owner. I'm not looking for them to come to me. I, I never do anything. I don't take responsibility for anything as far as the success uh, mm. because I show them a path and give them some tools and, and mindsets to follow. And if they follow them, at least 80% of the way, they're never going to follow me 100%, but uh, <laughs> they never take all my advice. <laughs> but it, but if, they take, if they take about 80% of the advice, they get those results and people will come to me and say, well, what did you do to him or her? Like I did nothing, right? I just made them see what they needed to see, just like someone made me see what I needed to see, just like someone has made you know made my father see what he needed to see, which was actually myself and the team that made my father look hard at the business. And when my father actually realized he didn't have to do it all, the business took off because right? people want to help. People, I mean, they're they're part of it, and and if they're part of what's what's struggling. Can you imagine what they would do for something that was like functioning and, and giving them, you know, fulfillment? Yeah, absolutely. So when you identify something like that, so you're talking with a business owner, maybe they have relationship troubles or vices or whatever that's going on. Like, where does that begin? Like, how do you work on that? Well, you know, some of it I will do myself. Uh, I'm not a certified life coach, but I've been through enough, uh, you know, training and coaching and consultants myself, uh, and continue to do so. Books and groups and, and classes that I've I've taken that you know I know enough to be dangerous to have that conversation. Sure, and that I'm connected and networked well enough to where I will provide resources. Yeah, it's funny though when you do what I do the way that I do it. How many people will say? You know, they, they'll take advantage of maybe some one or two of the outside resources, but then they'll come back to me and they say, you know, you know all of me and you're not working on just part of me. You're working on this other piece. And these people that you're giving me, while helpful and appreciative, they can't do what you do. And of course, I'm not seeing them as much as I see you. I'm not talking to them as much as I talk to you. And if you're willing to do it, you know, would you help me in that capacity? And so, again, you know, directing them outside while we again get our hands dirty into the business, and I again coach them here and there and give them a little bit along the way. But they go out and do a little bit of outside work. They come back and they're like, you know what? Now they got bit by the bug like I got bit by that bug. Right. Right. And they want more. They want to say, how do you, how do you do it? How do you do this? How do you do that? How can I do this? How can I be this for my kids? How can I be this for my you know my mm-hmm. significant other? How can I be this for my people? And uh, and I get people who literally call me and they'll say, hey Drew, I need some of that coaching, not the business coaching. I need that other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And That's amazing that you're able yeah. to work with them and, and have that kind of impact. Yeah. And that for me is, is, is amazing, right? Just because I know what it did for myself and I, and I see how it lights them up and then I see how their life evolves. They're doing the work again and, and they're having the success, but then I see their, you know, either the relationship improves or they get out of an unhealthy relationship. And I'm not the person who directs them to do that. They, they make all their own choices. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, or, or they get a house or they get a car, they, they reach some time, you know, lifetime goal, they put a pool in the yard, they send a kid to college. Uh, yeah, there's some monetary materialistic stuff as well that's achieved. But for me, it's seeing who they become in the process. Those things, you know, the achievements of business, the achievements of personal uh, successes and whatnot are a reflection of who they have become. Because at the end of the day, that's where we're human beings, we're not human doings. Right. And that being, when we get that being operating, man, it just, it's, it's a beacon that really sparks others. Yeah. Amazing. So once you've done that or the business owner has done that tough work, how does that then trickle down to the team? Yeah. I mean, just like it did in my business, you realize who needs to be a part of the team. You bring them in, you let them know how much you care about them and their families and what's important to them. It might even be a tough conversation where you, you apologize for, you know, having neglected you know, them and what they've contributed up to this point and, and allows for some tough conversations to happen. But boy, these people have been so loyal and they've, they've stuck through you through, with you through all of this. So they get reinvigorated and reactivated into the business and the business starts to take on a new life. And then you also realize you have to have some tough conversations with some people who just, you realize they've been there, but they're just, they're, they, they have a job and that they're just, you know, they're just doing a job and they're not doing it well. They're doing it somewhat begrudgingly. Uh, they're, they're the, you've tolerated what they've done and you just kind of realize you got to let them go. They don't, they're not a reflection because at the end of the day, what we talked about at the beginning, all of those foundational elements are what designed the culture of the business. And if the culture is sick, the business is sick. Right. Right. And the culture is a reflection of leadership. So yeah, it's uh, what happens is people just start taking off. The business starts taking off. It can go into any new direction that it wants. Typically what'll happen, we, we see in some businesses is we end up rebranding the business. We don't necessarily change the name, but we rebrand. Right. And to me, that's more symbolic than anything because it just reflects a new, new attitude, a new direction, a new energy, a new mindset. And, um, it's incredible. These businesses that I have worked with, some of them have been clients for, you know, um, I think the longest enduring client that we have active right now is back to 2008. And, you know, that says something for the impact that not that we have, but for the, the energy exchange that we, you know, that, that just is ongoing that fuels both them as, as well as us. Cause it, for us, it, it drives us as well to reinvent ourselves every day become the best version of ourselves for ourselves first, but also that we're always thinking about our client's business. There's like, while I might not be working all the time, I'm always thinking about my clients. Yeah. I can be watching a movie or a television show and it will trigger like a, a tagline or a marketing idea or something like that. Yeah. I think everything you're saying is, you know, reminding me of times in my business. And I mean, we all have, ups and downs where, you know, there are certainly times where you're just going through the motions and you're kind of disconnected from 
what's going on. So it's interesting to hear about, you know, how you approach that and work with a person to make sure that things in their life are in order. And then how do you reflect that into the business and make sure that you have the culture and you have the brand and, and all those pieces are really working so you can get out of that sort of rut, you know? That's yeah. When you get through that, that, that sticky ugliness of what they maybe even be, a, might be even be ashamed of or have some guilt about and you make it all okay. You help them realize it's all good. It's all okay. Right. Because how would you know hot if you didn't know cold? Hmm. How would you know big if you didn't know small? Right. And so understanding the downside and, the, and the, what you want to call the ugliness is not just that, you know, it's not ugliness. It's just a degree of the spectrum because see, if you know big and small, you know size. If you know hot and cold, you know temperature. So it's not the duality of things. It's really helping them to see the duality, but it doesn't have to be black or white, right? It has to be that entire spectrum of the singularity, which unites the black and the white, the big and the small, the hot and the cold. And you're just on the spectrum. And so if you understand that you're on the spectrum, then you can basically shift, right? And, and it's not usually as tough as they think, right? It may, it may have taken you 25 years to get to where you are and you've struggled, right? But it's not going to take you 25 years to get out of it. Right. right? But you got to give yourself permission to take a little bit of time to do so. Mm. So when you are working with business owners in the trades, like what does that look like? Is this something that takes weeks, months, years? It all depends on the business, right? It all depends on what they're you know they're looking to us for. But let's 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 call it a broken business, quote unquote, right? That is struggling financially, struggling structurally, uh, growth wise. You know they're not going anywhere. They're somewhat stagnant because twenty percent, thirty percent growth is nothing. I mean, we get that in price increases down uh, year over year. So um, you know maybe they've got you know personnel and, and operational issues, and it's just not productive or profitable. Um, it takes about a year, uh, you know, to, uh, it takes a very brief time. I mean, in a day, I can do an assessment of a business and tell you where it's broken. And so we do a you know, one day diagnostic and then we build a plan over the course of a year so that we don't, I mean, we hit them with a the fire hose as it is, but to try and make it a, uh, you know, not as much of a deluge of a fire hose, but we, we basically can make a commitment for a year. Most of our clients will re up. There's no expectation for them to, nor do they need to. Because it's not like, well, you got to, you know, to get the next chapter, you got to keep paying us. Now, we give them all the tools, teach them all the tools and the training and the processes, and we help them do it. And, you know, while we're working with them, it's not like we're just a consultant. We get our hands in there and we're either on site or on Zoom and on the phone working with them remotely and, and, and on site. And, uh, and that can be a combination of, you know, operational, administrative, financial, sales, marketing you know, type things. But we always start with those foundational elements, even if they're in place. I want to see what they are. I want to see how the owners and leaders are buying into them. But I also want to know to see how the, uh, the the personnel is buying into the vision, mission, purpose, and core values. Mm. And and then from there we go to organiz uh, organizational structure and roles and responsibilities, and then we go to financial structure and pricing, and then operations, and then marketing, and then sales. Sales is actually. The one thing that every contractor thinks is the answer to get the profitability. Right. But it's actually the last thing that they should work on. Mm. 
And, and because if you have a bad product, right, why should you be marketing it and selling it? If you're priced incorrectly, you you could basically start to bleed out and hemorrhage by selling more of it at the wrong price. And that's what happens. Most of these contractors you know, that I find that you know, they pick an hourly rate by default. They they have no rhyme or reason. They don't they're not recouping their overhead, uh, and they don't understand that. And so we have to teach them pricing methodologies for service, maintenance, and 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 replacement. Most of them are using a mark markup multiplier divisor method that you know to achieve. They they say fifty percent gross profit, but the problem is you don't get to spend gross profit. You only get to spend net profit. And if you don't build your price based on you know the net profit objective, which is incorporating your overhead, you know as it as your cost exists in your business, um, most of these companies are bleeding out. They don't realize that a job that basically is a thousand dollars worth of material and five hundred dollars worth of labor cannot be treated the same as a job that's five hundred dollars worth of material and a thousand dollars worth of labor. Both of those jobs have a fifteen hundred dollar cost of goods, but if you sell those both for the same price. You're losing money on the job that's, you know, the high labor job. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's such an important point that, and, and I love that actually, the, um, because I do hear all the time, you know, we need more sales, but it's interesting that you look at those foundational pieces first before you move to, okay, let's improve sales. So I really love that. I equate it to a tumor, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, growing a tumor would be the worst thing that you could do. Right. Right. And so if you have a tumor in your business and you grow it and sales is that tumor, right? Meaning unprofitable sales, growing it would actually possibly kill the patient. Yeah. So the problem is, is uh, I, I call these, these owners, the pilots of their business and they're in the cockpit and the only control that they have is the throttle. Right. <laughs> Go bigger, faster. Maybe not just yet. Let's 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 fix some things. Let's put a tourniquet on the bleeding first. Let's write some things, and then we can grow. I think that's usually about in a ninety to one hundred and eighty days. In that window is where we kind of after we get through the initial foray of fixing some things and, and stopping the bleeding, and we get the sh- you know the the train on the right track. Then we can start to push the throttle. Right. Okay. And I did want to go back to you know what you were talking about in terms of having a sick culture and how important getting your personnel on board with your values and your mission and all of those pieces are, I think in every interview lately, we've talked about the labor shortage and it's because it's, you know, really one of the number one issues on the minds of contractors. So in your experience, given some of these labor challenges, how does the culture and mission and values and all of those things, how does that play into retaining or even attracting new labor? That's a great question. We're really seeing a dynamic shift um, you know, right now that a lot of these owners you know, have the same mindset that I did, work ethic. It's all about work ethic and you, you work until the work is done. Right, six, seven o'clock. You're going to work sixty to eighty hours a week. You're going to put, you're going to put in the overtime. If you're a technician, you got to be on call. Well, I'm seeing you know clients through my my business and through EGIA Contractor University um, and posts online of people losing employees due to the fact that they're being expected to work on call. They don't want to anymore. Mm-hmm. The, you know, this I don't want to say it's this new generation of of 
people because it's not this new generation. It's this generation of the workforce, meaning everybody who is in the workforce right now, regardless of your age and, and, and uh, generational status, they're looking for quality of life. They're looking for quality of health. They're looking for quality of relationships. Heck, our kids have a better social life than we do. And so we, we need to be available to, to chaperone them around. And people are tired of missing games and you know their marriage is maybe struggling and failing. And so they're, they're saying, hey, you know what? We only want to work literally 30 to 40 hours a week. You know, uh, yeah, we want three-day weekends because of the demands of our relationship or what we want to put into our relationship or because of our, our children. And so what we're seeing is that we're having a hard time bringing people into the industry because they don't have to work at that level in these other businesses. The heck, in a lot of businesses, they can work from home and they'd rather do that. And we're seeing a lot of people that are in the workforce changing jobs, not for really more money, but in some cases, it's actually more money and less hours mm-hmm. because business owners are finally realizing that we should charge for our value and that it's not about customers getting a cheap price. It's that we are essential services and we make life impacts in people's homes and businesses. And we are more valuable than accountants and attorneys and the people who are charging the rates that they charge. You know, and we make all that pot. We actually literally make all that possible as plumbing, heating, uh, cooling, electrical contractors, solar contractors as well, and, and pest control and all home services for that matter. So, yeah, I, I find that it's it's hard to retain people if you don't start to kind of look at the life of, of the people themselves and put the people first versus the work and realize that, hey, you know what? Maybe we only serve our, our service room customers after hours. You know, maybe, and maybe there's a cutoff time up until 8 p.m. And we're not rolling the trucks after that. Maybe we're not working uh, seven days a week unless we've staggered our, our teams accordingly. Start times and, and days of the week. And we're working a flexible schedule. Maybe we're working four 10-hour days instead of, you know, five-eighths. And giving people three-day weekends and staggering the workforce accordingly. So we have to kind of look at how we... We staff and, and deploy our, our resources. And then I think we have a better story also to tell you know, to the people that are considering college or the trades, hey, come here. I mean, look at the life that you can have, the impact that you can make in people's lives, and the flexibility that you have to, to work the way that you want. And so I, I also don't think it's one size fits all. So if I have a technician that wants to come on board and literally only wants to work 30 hours a week because... You know, they have a, a motivation to, to be a, a volunteer for something. You know, I'm going to support that. You know, I'll, I'll change my compensation accordingly. I have some people on performance based pay and I have some people that are on wage. Right. You know, I'll, I'll pay you the better of either program. You know? Right. And so I think as owners, we have to get a little bit more flexible and get away from the rigidity that I think is, has been a barrier to entry, but also drives people away from us. Yeah. That is such a, valid point. And I think it's also about, you know, having the conversations with your team and even potential team members of like, what is it that they're looking for? Because I think too often, like you said, we're kind of stuck in this mode of this is how work works. And not really considering that, you know, mindsets around work are are changing. Yeah. And and unfortunately, Fortunately and unfortunately, I should say, there's these online groups, there's these best practices groups, and and so they all have their ideas, and and everybody wants to try and follow the the influencer, or the guru who's online now, 
and they're attending these these meetings with this you know bombastic message, 10x this and do that and look at me. And the problem is, is they don't realize in many cases how some of those people got there. They were bootstrapped with money, uh, you know, to fund the the startup of the business. Uh, they were, you know, they were given a, a seed capital that you don't have. You know, you've worked, at, you know, to get to where you got. They got money behind them. They got venture capital. They got somebody being an investor, an angel investor, or something of that nature. And all you're seeing is their successes. You don't see the whole story. And instead of basically just saying, "Okay, who should we be?" And and how are we going to attack this? Yes, you can get a lot of lessons, including even at EGI, you know, Contractor University. We teach you a way. We just say it's not the only way and it's not the best way. But here's a way. And, you know, we've had a lot of success with it. It may work, but do what's going to work for you. Yes, go get the lessons from some, some people, but, you know, take it and make it your own because, you know, how I might do something here in Philadelphia is different than what I would do for my client in Virginia or St. Louis or Texas or California, Washington State or Florida, right? And and, and for various reasons. So, yeah, I, I think that's a little bit of a challenge as well is that this, that you know, this comparison society is looking at, around and saying, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that. And, and unfortunately, yeah, they're they're grasping at things and not really getting anything that's truly serving them uh, because they don't see how, again, if they had vision, mission, purpose, and core values, they would look at the lessons that they're learning and say, this one, yes, that one, no. Right. Yeah, that's such a valid point. And I think, you know, when you're looking at these as entrepreneurs, we're always looking ahead and and how we can grow and get to that next step. But you often don't know the challenges or the other issues behind the scenes with those, you know, big companies that you admire either. Yeah. So Drew, I know that we covered a lot here today. And I feel like this is such impactful stuff. Is there any, you know, last thought that you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, this is a people-driven business. You know, we we have people on our team. They are our most important asset, not our customers. Uh, our people are our most important assets. So, you know, first thing I want you to do is check in with yourself in the morning. You know, take some time for yourself and just make sure that, you know, you're in the best place that you can be for yourself. You're working on the things that you want to work on the way you want to work on them. So check in with yourself first and then making sure you're checking with your people as people before you check in with them on their roles. How are they doing with their health and their relationship and their family and their kids and maybe their finances? And, you know, like you said a little bit earlier, you know, what, do they, what are their aspirations and what do they want for in their lives? And more often than not, we're always checking in with the role, when, when, especially when things aren't going right. But sometimes when things aren't going right, more often than not, again, that's a reflection of something that's going on in someone's personal life. And if you just help people truly see that you care. And I know all that's the cool thing about working with all these entrepreneurs. They care so much. They're some of the most caring, uh, hardworking people out there. And they want to really help others and make an impact in others' lives. Uh, And they'll do anything for their people. But why don't you check in with your people as people first? And if you just do that, I mean, if we did that with everybody in society that we encountered, man, life would be awesome. Life is awesome. So, I mean, just let's just check in with the people. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Drew, I know that everyone's going to want to learn a little bit more about you, what you're up to with Flow Odyssey and EGIA Contractor University. What's the best way for them to learn more or connect with you? 
My websites, uh, I, I have two companies that I run, which is one is Flow Odyssey that you mentioned, which is flowodyssey.us. That's the, the website that you can get uh, to to learn a little bit more about uh, myself and my business partner and what it is that we're doing there. And then um, EGIA, which is uh, my contractor university, uh, spent a lot of time in, invested in that. That's where we get to make a bigger impact to a larger audience. And uh, so that's been a lot of fun. And I own a small software company. I uh, just had, unfortunately, the anniversary today of the gentleman who started that. He passed away uh, back in 2014. But uh, we do load calculations, energy audits, and we have a price book coming out there. And that's eds.tech if you need some of those types of tools. All my contact information is on there and they can go hold me any, any way that they can. Amazing. And we'll put all those links in the show notes as well. So if you're listening, feel free to go to beyondthetoolspodcast.com and you can grab all those links there. Drew, thank you so much for being on the show. I loved every minute of this conversation and I know our listeners will too. Well, thanks for having me. I, I actually truly enjoyed it and appreciate the deep probing questions about topics that we don't tend to talk about in the HGAC and home services industry. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey guys, if you love this episode, if you learn something here from Beyond the Tools, you can actually head to our website at beyondthetoolspodcast.com and you can sign up to get updates whenever we have a new episode. So go to beyondthetoolspodcast.com. You'll see the option there to sign up and we'll send you the new episodes as soon as they're released. 